y'all. Welcome back to Prevention Nation. Where we believe education and awareness can change the culture of violence. My name is Roy Lutz. And I'm Shelby Russell. How I was recruited was actually by somebody that used to be trafficked by my trafficker. And um, so if you get busted, like if you're face and that this was the case, this was my out. I believe totally like my faith is what saved me. So I totally believe in God and I totally believe he set this up to provide an out for me. But I did. I got um, caught up in a sting and the girl that I had driven to, I, I made friends. We had to sneak and be friends with the other girls that were being trafficked. Right. So I would give her food. He would give me uh, yeah. dope to, to prevent me from being dope sick, but we'd do it quietly. Well, he was gone, which, which wasn't completely uncommon. They would leave for five hours, eight hours, whatever. But she owed him money because she had went on what they call like a dry run. So she got called to somewhere and it was not what it was supposed to. And so he was expecting money. So he would put that on our tabs, right? So not only do you... So through no fault of her own, it was a fake call. So she responds out to this location. So she owes that on top of her quota. Yeah. Yep. The, the money's not there so whatever wow. he's expecting for that day you do that and and more or you know it could end up in violence or you're not getting any drugs or you're kicked out of the hotel for the night like it, it was the things he did to punish us um were torturous i mean it was just as much a mind game as it was a physical thing but so she had owed him that money and um a call came into the line which we had, like there was different phones and stuff. And so she took the call. I was going to drive her because I had access to the car, right? Mm. Because there was a shared car that was left. It was like a $250 car that would like putt anywhere. But that's, we would get access to it if we needed when he would go away for a while. So I drove her. She went in to, it was right across from Stebbins High School in Riverside. um, And it used to be a day's end. It's something different now. But it's right next to a police station, too, right? And so there was, it was a sting, and it was a setup. So she went in, she got arrested, they came out to my car, and got me, and took arrested me for promoting prostitution. So that was like a slap in the face to me, because here I am taken over to Riverside Police Station, and I know the guy, I know the investigator had compassion on me, because he even said, stay a lady, stay strong, you know, and, and I was just interviewed I knew two questions into it they weren't asked they weren't after me they were asking about him all the questions that they were asking were referring back to him right same questions same five questions like a hundred different ways for that long and I didn't give him like my loyalty my fear my even through everything that he had put me through the last thing on my mind was to tell them like hey this is what's really going on you know and there's points too i think that because i was a drug addict i thought i deserved that i thought i wanted this and they they will it sounds crazy but there are ways that they plant those thoughts and because he would repeatedly say that well uh you could have left a long time ago okay but you also threatened my mother and everything about me take my stuff i don't have a car break my phone so I don't have communication with the well, outside let's talk world. about that then. Let's talk about the barriers to leaving. So threats to your family, mm-hmm. um, uh, breaking you down as a person, about you, who you even think you are and what you deserve. I mean, because like you just said, 
you're a drug addict, this is what you deserve, you're asking for it. What are other barriers? Do they use children against you? I mean, do they yeah. do they use a family, like visitation with your kid mm-hmm. and stuff like that? So um, at that point, um, my I had signed over a grandparent affidavit for my oldest daughter. Uh, my youngest daughter doesn't remember any of this because she was so young and it happened over like a two-year period. Um, but so how they... You did a power of attorney for the grandma? Is that what it was? A grandparent's uh-huh. affidavit so yep. that they could make... Um, Decisions school decisions for school and, medical and, and for yeah. medical. Um, and that broke my heart to even do that. But he would say, now you know, you, you're you out here using these drugs and blah, 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 this and that and the other. But at first, I could come and go freely. So it was, you know, the first six to nine months when I was being groomed, I still had a normal relationship. It was like a weekend thing where I would just get a babysitter and go be wrapped around the sky. But then eventually it would turn into days, weeks, months, and my parents were taking care of them. Um, so they attributed, they knew something was wrong. They knew they got the heebie-jeebies about him, mm-hmm. but they didn't know what to call it. They thought it was my drug addiction because yeah. they're from Kings. Right. It doesn't happen around here. And so in hindsight, that's another thing. Like I've even interviewed well, my mom and stuff. that happens to people? You know, it's yeah. hard to even, yeah. Yeah, and, and even after I was... In a safe place, it took me a while to call it what it was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Is but that another barrier? Embarrassment? Shame from this? Totally. Embarrassment, shame, you feel stupid. Like, mm-hmm. how did I let this happen? I was college educated. You know, I had yeah. a normal life. I was coached to my daughter's cheerleading squad at one point. Like, how do you let this happen? Um, so, embarrassment and shame is a huge thing. Um, but getting back to the barriers, so... Other things are, at that point, you don't have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, a drug addict's probably ruined their credit. You're completely dependent on them. What are you going to do? Where are you going to yeah. go? And at that time, there wasn't resources out there like there is today, like Dear Dinah, Oasis House. Safe yeah. on Main might have been around, but they, you know, we didn't really hear of these things. There weren't outreach. Um, so it was just too overwhelming. I did not see life beyond where I was at, I never thought, and I didn't even want to think about it. I stayed zombie-like. I stayed high. I didn't want to think about life outside of that hotel room because it was too much Yeah. mentally, emotionally um, to deal with. So I just literally cut off everything mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally. Wow. And you, they get you to sort of submit. and. Well, and that's, I think that goes to my next question, which is, <clears throat> recovery. What does recovery look like? I mean, it, everything you just just described, isolation, you've cut everybody off, you've burned every bridge in your life, you're now ashamed, humiliated, you're probably in huge credit debt, you are. You probably have a criminal history, you probably have a criminal record, multiple arrests. How does a person recover from that? So, what I had to do, and I, like, it was my faith again, and it was people and women, I went to a women's home, and... They literally were like, your past is not to be discussed at all. Mm-hmm. We had to just stop. Mm-hmm. And so the one moment of like real surrender that I remember one day is before church, because we got to, to go to church every Sunday, I was praying and I thought that was those exact things. It was like, mm-hmm. I have $20 on my account here. Um, I have strained relationships. I literally, the worst thing in the world was thinking that I let a man and an addiction pull me away um, from my children. Like that was the worst thing. I mean, years and years it's yeah. taken me, um, to recover and they forgave me 
way long before I could forgive mm-hmm. myself, you know? I cannot see beyond all this wreckage, beyond all these things that are wrong. It's just going to take too much. And and so clearly in my mind and my spirit, it was like you cannot look at any of those things right now. It's just the next right step. So really it was getting around people that um, were stable, that you could trust. So having mm-hmm. consistency um, in your life, I had to learn you know, boundaries. So they had boundaries classes there. They had um, parenting classes there. They had positive self-talk classes there um, because you really have to, it's a total change of everything because you'll find yourself saying, it's been so ingrained in your head. I can't do this. I'm not this. I'm stupid. I'm whatever. And to totally change how you speak uh, first enables you to change how you're thinking because everything kind of has to be renewed and um, you have to rewire your thinking on everything but it really is just first getting them into somewhere safe once that fog lifts which Mm -hmm. can take 30 days or so if they were involved in any type of chemical dependency um, detox medical detox all yeah yeah so once that fog lifts then you can really start attacking those things but a lot of mine was um, forgiveness uh, strongholds, working on breaking that, because the crazy thing is, and and I do a survivors led group on Tuesday night, so there's some women from safe homes that'll zoom in on it, and uh, there was a young lady that I could just think things she was remember or <clears throat> saying made me remember thought process I had right, so she was yeah. like, if he could see me now, like even three months removed, four months removed you still want validation or I wish he could see me now. And her, her reasoning was so he knew, so he knows what he um, destroyed or he knows what he went up against or he knows what my real worth was, right? Yeah. But the thing is, in her mind, she's still trying to yeah. get validation from that abuser, yeah, from that his value, His assignment of her value that's, yeah. that matters to her. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. And to break that thought process, and yeah. I can remember when she was saying those things, and it started a whole good discussion around it. But when she was saying those things, I was like, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Or I remember um, missing him. But just to like work on breaking those soul ties um, mm-hmm. and, and knowing that, you know, what does a healthy relationship look like? So being around healthy relationships was a huge thing. Like, I can say I love, my parents are human, right? They right. made mistakes, just like I made even a worse mistake, but I feel like it was a sign to my life to stop those generational curses. And my kids right. have taken huge, like seeing me go through this and bounce back and um, become, you know, spiritually, mentally, emotionally aligned has really, really helped them and, and grown them in ways I think it may have never had something drastic not happen. But, mm-hmm. you know, my parents are people too, but um, they made their own mistakes too. As far as like, I was never raised with confidence or, or anything like that. It was just like dad didn't necessarily want much to do with us. He worked long hours. Mom had some probably undealt with mental health issues. So she was kind of all over the place. Um, so another part of the prevention thing that I always talk about, especially when I go into schools, universities, churches or whatever, is build your kid, like take a step back know the impact that you're having on your kids with your words, your actions. You have to build them with confidence, right? That should be built into them. Because had I had confidence, I think I would have noticed those red flags a lot more. Had I known what healthy relationships look like, because our family was very um, 
emotionally maybe estranged, we didn't talk a lot, we didn't engage with each other, had we had those healthy relationships, then maybe we would have noticed well, that's what a healthy relationship would look like. That directly aligns with our mission, our prevention, our jobs, yeah. Which was my nice. next question. How do we help? No, I mean, hearing us, how do we help? And, and you, it sounds... feels like you just answered it. Mm-hmm. We continue to push, you know, the education around healthy relationships, supportive family, um, yeah. educating not just the child, but the whole family mm-hmm. around um, healthy communication, healthy relationships, green flags, awareness of red flags. I mean, literally everything Love you it. said yep. tells me our prevention work is... Yeah. So is necessary. So, so important. Then real quick before we're done, I want to hear about the John Registry. You two, you and Shelby were talking about. What is the John Registry? I, I can imagine what it is. But. So the John Registry, it's in some different cities, and it's just where for a specific amount of time, um, which is usually dictated by whatever that locality is, right? They, if they are arrested for buying sex or soliciting or anything like that, then they have to be put on this registry, right? So mm-hmm. it's public information. Um, Dayton did something a little bit of a step further in 2017, and I got to be part of that project um, with some different like organizations in the city and the mayor and the police department. And so they did um, geofencing. So that's where they go on social media. So mm-hmm. if you come into Dayton, Ohio, and you buy sex, we are going to put targeted ads to your friends, your family on your social media that will pop up and say, who bought sex in your area? And you can click and it'll show that wow. along with they have to do the John's registry and they have to go through John's school. And so some other cities after that kind of caught on and started I'm going to be doing, doing some research thing. today. Yeah. <laughs> so. I would really love to see that continue because like I said, it is the single, money is the single thing that is fueling. Yep all this and in the which I've always heard like around big events Super Bowls Olympics I've always heard there's a massive influx of trafficking because there's a lot of money all of a sudden in a community so they they you know send people or bring people there and that's a great place to travel travelers out of town hotels access to stuff yeah and so they will traffickers will exploit that they will take total advantage of those, what they see as opportunities, um, and and try to make the most money on that. There was something called, I don't know if it's still a thing, but back when I was trafficked, there was something called the Ham Convention, which I think is a radio thing where people come from out of town to Dayton. And so Ham Convention weekend, I just always remembered hearing about it, like Ham Convention is next week. And, you know, things like they would take us to get new outfits or or things to make our our rooms ready for this ham convention. And I can remember after that, one of the things um, that I'll never forget is I put a hot tub and bought a truck. You know, he told me exactly how much money I made him because there were times where I would be up for five, the drugs would do that, um, keep you up and wired, but I would be up for five to seven days straight and it would just be around the clock, men coming in that I couldn't, you know, and at some points it was like, you despise them. You think they're so gross that I just wanted to, I hated them. Mm-hmm. I hated the men that would come in there. Um, it took a lot for me not to, I had a knife in the bedstand that I kept for protection um, to not want to, you mm-hmm. know, stab them or something. That's how deep, like, the uh-huh. hate was when it was just around the clock or when they said, and did degrading things. Yeah. I mean, psychologically, it just takes a long time to 
to heal from. My God, Amy. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that was your experience. Yeah. That's terrible. It gets better. I mean, I'm, it does get better. I'm proof That's... that it, it can get better. You just Absolutely. have to, yeah. you know, we have to be aware of it. We have to be talking about it so loudly, like shed a light yeah. so bright that it chases away, like all yep. those dark places because that's they hide in the darkness they don't want to be seen and so the more we talk about it the more we do prevention thing the more we outreach and help these um survivors you know rebuild their lives it's it's pushing it away until we can hopefully one day eliminate it or make it so scarce that well i love that saying the more we the more we talk about it the more we bring this awareness the more we shine the light on it and yeah that's great amy Thank you so much for being on here. Was there anything, anything else Shelby you wanted to ask her? Nope, I just, I commend you for yeah. for doing this work now. I mean, just, that's amazing. The full circle nature of it. Yeah. yeah. And you guys too, because prevention is such a huge, huge piece, I think. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you very much.